Welcome to another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yalbron, lead pastor of One Community Church located in El Dorado, Arkansas. For information about the ministry of Pastor Jason or One Community Church, please visit our website at occeldorado.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching One Community Church El Dorado. Man, this is a happening place, amen? Lots going on. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to go to summer camp. Golly, I'm 21, I can fit in. I look old for my age, but uh, we're going to be there. No, uh, man, this is just uh, an awesome opportunity to be here as always with you guys. Uh, For those that don't know me, my name's Dustin Martin, and uh, for the last, coming up this February, we've been traveling for 12 years and uh, just taking the word of God, preaching, encouraging the church, uh, joining and linking arms with pastors and the visions that God's given them to accomplish what God wants to do right here before the return of Jesus Christ. Amen. So it's just an honor to be with you this morning. I just want to honor your pastors, Pastor Jason and Alicia. How many of y'all love your pastors? Come on, somebody. Give them a hand if you don't mind. Honor Jesus. They're a gift to the body of Christ. I was mentioning to him, I said, you know, you meet a lot of pastors as I travel and things, and uh, there's a few that I come across that I believe have a pastor's, a true pastor's anointing. And uh, Pastor Jason and Alicia have a true pastor's heart. He loves you guys. He thinks about you. His endeavor is to see you fulfill God's plan and destiny for your lives. And so if I can just encourage you for a moment, you're at the right place at the right time. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great night. We'll see you all later. No, I'm just You're at the right place at the right time, and, and, and God has put you in a position to, for you to grow, to develop, and to be what he's called you to be, and he's given you a couple that are there to come alongside you to ensure that that comes to pass. So you're a blessed church. Amen. You're a blessed church. I'm going to take the opportunity this morning to, uh, if you have your Bibles, you can just put them under your seat. We're not going to use them. I'm just kidding. Thank you. God bless you. I'll be here all week. Uh, Don't forget to tip your waitress. Um, We're going to talk this morning about living in God's standard. Subtitle, learning to live in holiness. Um, As God has called me to travel and to preach, he's given us a mandate out of Romans chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. In short, to impart, establish and encourage the body of Christ. And so my messages are in line with that mission. And as we've grown and developed, God's beginning to give us more revelation on that. And one of the things that God asks me to do is to awaken the spiritual condition of the church by imparting. He wants us to, um, uh, to uh, see, <laughs> I always get, I get up here, I memorize these, then you get up here and you forget them, <laughs> It's your mission, Dustin. Come on, here we go. Uh, To awaken the spiritual condition of the church, uh, to restore confidence by establishing, and then to uh, activate the believer by encouraging. So everything that we're doing, everything that I'm endeavoring to do as God sends us out is to fulfill that and to get us ready for the time and the season that we're living in right now, here before the return of Jesus Christ. Uh, and so if you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to read two portions of scriptures, a little bit lengthy, but I believe it'll set us up and get us ready for the course that we're going to take this morning for what I believe God wants us to, uh, to accomplish. Amen. As you're turning your Bibles, turn, if you will, to 1 Peter chapter 1. I want to tell you a joke. 
It's not spiritual, but it'll be fun. Amen. All right. There's a there was a priest, and just uh, down from the from the church, he noticed that there was a uh, there was a uh, yard sale, and so he, he went down there to check it out. And sure enough, there was a lightly used uh, lawnmower, and he thought, you know what? I'm going to buy that for the church so I can keep the grass looking good. So he buys the lawnmower and he heads out back to the church with it, and he goes to cut the grass and he can't get the thing started. So a little frustrated, he makes his way back to the previous owner at the yard sale, and he says, "Man, I can." not get this lawnmower started. Then the man says, well, sir, you got to cuss at it. He said, cuss at it. Listen, I'm a man of the cloth. I don't even know if I remember how to cuss. He says, you keep yanking on that cord of that lawnmower and it'll come back to you. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. <laughs> like I said, not spiritual. All right, here we go. First Peter. How was service? Well, pastor. <laughs> okay, First Peter chapter one. We're going to start in verse thirteen. I'm going to be reading out of the Passions translation for this verse. I encourage you this morning, as I go through this, that you take notes. Uh, how many of y'all know that we leak? Come on, and uh, as you take notes, it'll help you to go back and refresh what the Lord spoke to you this morning. And statistically speaking, people that take notes are more likely not to go to hell. Amen? All right. So you can write now or burn later. It's your choice. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Calm down. No, there's only one way to heaven, Jesus Christ. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 13 says this, so then prepare your hearts, prepare your hearts and your mind for action. That's very important. Stay alert. Everybody say, stay alert. Stay alert and fix your hope firmly or your expectation firmly on the marvelous grace that is coming to you. For when Jesus Christ is unveiled, a greater measure of grace will be released to you. Verse 14, as God's obedient children, never again shape your lives by the desires that you followed when you didn't know better. Instead, shape your lives to become like the Holy One who, are, uh, who called you or invited you or summoned you into this relationship, into this family. Verse 16, for the scripture says you are to be holy because I am holy. You are to be holy for I am holy. The thing I want you to see this morning, anytime that God commands you to be something, he adequately supplies you with the resources and the ability to bring it to pass. God will never command you or tell you to do something that he expects for you to do in and of yourself. Jesus even said, in and of myself, I, Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, he said, I can do nothing. Everything that he did that we read through the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see as a individual that came, and as Luke chapter 4 tells us, who came and was anointed by the Holy Ghost and then was depended upon that power and that ability to fulfill the will of God. God never asks you to do or to be something without adequately supplying you with the resource and the ability to do it in and by and through him. God said it to me this way. He said, Dustin, he said, that which wars against the will of God is self-effort. 
Religion wants you to try to accomplish something in and of yourself. Religion will try to place a mandate and a burden upon you that says there is a standard, there is an expectation as a believer for you to accomplish, and then it begins to give you the rules and the regulations of how to accomplish that standard. The problem with that is you and I will not and cannot ever fulfill it. Jesus said in the the Gospels, he said, I did not come to do away with the law. He said, I came to fulfill it. The law was given in the Old Testament for the simple reason to bring mankind to an end of himself. The law was given so that you could, the standard that was expected, actually the standard is God's original design and position for every man, for every person. And what he did, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3, verses tw- uh, Romans 3, 23, that all have sinned and fallen, what? Short, or you've fallen from the condition and the position that God originally designed and purposed for you, which is his glory. The reason that Adam and Eve did not know they were naked in the garden was because they were clothed with the glory of God. They housed and they contained and they illuminated the glory, the actual presence of the Father. It wasn't until they sinned and fell from the glory that they were aware of themselves. But God didn't leave you and I in the state of being fallen from glory. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to do what? To reinstate us back to the original design, the original position of his glory, of his presence. And this is vital to where and what God wants us to have, to live in, to obtain in the time and the season that we're living in. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 Starting in verse 1, this is in the New King James Version. It says, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and I tried to memorize this, this name, but it gets me every time. So, Thesinus? So, so, yeah, there you go. English teachers can help me out. Our brother to the church, which is the word ecclesia in the Greek, ecclesia, which is to call to an assembly. Or in a Greek, the culture was to assemble an army. You are the army of God. You're called in this time and this season. And I'm, I'm going to kind of skip ahead because I want to get somewhere today. But you're called to be the force that pushes back against the evil and the darkness that is attacking this world right now. So he, you are to an assemble as the church of God, which is at Corinth or El Dorado, Arkansas, to those who are sanctified, set apart, or watch this, that word sanctified means made holy, how? In Christ Jesus. You were made something Not in and of yourself, I want this to be very clear this morning, but you're made to be holy, sanctified, set apart, how? In Christ Jesus, who uh, called to be saints or holy ones. You are called by God, you are summoned. If there was a a court order, if there was, you were to uh, come before the judge, they would what? They would summon you. They would call you. They would kindly what? Invite you into the courtroom. 
And God has kindly summoned you. He has called you. A better word for that word called is he has invited you into the very presence of his throne room. And you're not getting there in and of yourself as of self-effort, as I've already mentioned. You're standing in the very presence of God. How? You're standing there by the finished work of Jesus Christ. It is a full dependency. Your salvation, your relationship with God is in a full dependency and trust in Jesus Christ. It is because of him you are who he says that you are in his word. So with these scriptures in mind, I want to ask you this question this morning. What makes anything holy? What makes anything holy? For most, holiness is an unobtainable feat and becomes a burden of duty that can never be accomplished. This is a distorted understanding of true holiness that restrains the church from operating at the level that God desires and provides. If I asked you this morning, you're like, are you a saint? I ain't no saint, brother. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, I kicked the dog last night and I cussed a little bit. You know, we start going down the list of the disqualifications of what we think alienates us from what God has called you to be. But what I want you to see this morning as is that as if you see yourself who God's called you to be based upon your self-effort, you'll always run from the presence of God rather to the presence of God. Just like in the Garden of Eden, when Adam sinned, the Bible says he was filled with fear and he hid himself. Why did he hide from the presence of God? Because he became more aware of his sin or his wrongdoing than he did the presence of God. And this is what the devil wants for the church. Why? Because if he can get you focused on the wrong thing, then it alienates you from uh, accomplishing God's plan and his will for this time and this generation. We have to renew our mind. We have to get an awareness of what God has done for us, what he's created inside of you through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Because when it becomes awakened, the revelation becomes real to you, all of a sudden you no longer are pushing back from the will of God. You're embracing it and you actually see yourself as a candidate, as a participator of God's plan in this time. So turn, if you will, to Exodus chapter 3. I want to show you some things on holiness or holy. Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 1. You guys know the story. I love this story. This is Moses. He's left Egypt. He's out. He's working for his father-in-law. He's, a, he's herding sheep, taking care of the sheep. And in, in, in uh, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Herob, the mountain of God. Verse two, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. If you go through scripture and you look for this, this fire of God that we're seeing on this bush here, you'll realize that it's talking about Jesus. 
Jesus was the fire by night for the children of Israel in the desert. Jesus, the Bible says in Ezekiel, is a fire from the waist up and a fire from the waist down. This was a representation of Jesus that descended to bring a calling and a mission to Moses to bring deliverance and liberty to his people. And that's very important because I believe it is the mandate and the call that God has placed upon the church today for the people that you come in contact with every single day. Because Satan is still doing what the Bible says in John 10, 10 says that he does. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to oppress mankind. So we continue here in in verse 3, Exodus 3, 3. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why this bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said to Moses, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. I want us to stop for a second and make mention of this. I, I skipped this. Anything that is of God, notice that the bush was burning but was not consumed. The fire of God, the presence of God does not consume, it purifies. Everything that God, when God's presence comes upon you, the spirit of God is in you and on you. It doesn't consume you in the sense of destruction. It comes in, it purifies you and makes you worthy for his use. It enables him to actually participate and be involved with you and in your life. So then the Lord saw that he turned aside, he looked, he called to him. Moses said, here am I. Verse 5, then he said, do not draw near this place. Watch this. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. This is the second time that this word is used in the Bible. The first, it's in, the, it's in Genesis where it talks about the Sabbath day that God sanctified it and set it apart as holy. The seventh day, there's a whole thought there that we'll save for another time. That anything that is sanctified, that is set apart, it is from the sanctification that you live your life. It is from the setting apart that you begin every endeavor. But he sees that the ground is holy here. And what I want you to see, God told Moses, I'm sorry, he said, the place where you stand is holy ground. What was so special about this ground all of a sudden? This is probably a bush that Moses had passed by many times that he had led the sheep by that there was no burning bush. There was no experience. He probably walked across that ground, that dirt, many times with there never being any kind of encounter with God. But today, this moment, he comes by this burning bush and he turns aside. He leaves his course of action to investigate this great sight of a bush that is on fire but is not consumed. And as he approaches, God says, stop, wait a minute, because the ground that you're standing on is holy ground. What made the ground holy? It's dirt. There's nothing special about it. But what I want us to see is that the ground itself was not holy, but became holy because God had come near and occupied it. Ooh, come on, somebody, you got to write that down. What was special about that dirt? Nothing in and of itself. 
But because God had come near and occupied that place, it became holy. You and I are nothing but dirt. Come on, somebody. (laughs) You're made from a pile of dirt. And in and of yourself, the dirt is worthless. There's nothing special about that dirt. But what makes you holy? What makes who you are holy? It is not your effort, but rather because God has come near and occupied you and has become indwelling in you that you become holy. Ephesians chapter 1, I want to read these verses to you. You could read this whole chapter. It's absolutely amazing. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 4, it says this, just as he, listen to these verses, everything emphasizes who Jesus is. It's all about Jesus. It's all about who he is. It's about who you are in him. It's an emphasis and a focus of exalting the name of Jesus and who he is in in these verses. Just as he, Jesus, or God, chose us, how? In him. You are chosen by God because of your your position in him. I remember in grade school when we would play kickball. Y'all, anybody still play? Kids play kickball? I don't know, maybe. No, sir, we're video games all the way here. But if you weren't that good, if you weren't that talented, you didn't necessarily get picked. You just kind of forfeited to the next team. You were the last one, and it was like, well, we had the, the second to last guy, so you just automatically get kind of just, you get to go to the other team. But what I want you to see this morning is that your position in Christ is not because of a forfeit. It's not because of just, well, you got nothing else to do. We're going to put you on the God team. God chose you. Before the foundations of the earth, it says in these verses, that God chose you. He picked you out. He desired you. Man, I love that. Man may let you down. Man may look over. He, man may uh, skip by or, or, or suppress or downplay the gifts and the talents upon your lives. But I'm here today to tell you, if God chooses you, if God picks you out, if he says you're mine, it does not matter what man says or does. God will elevate you to a pov- position of providence. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be, watch this, holy and without blame before him in love. God chose you to be holy. Having predestined us to an adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us, I love that, he made us accepted in the beloved. You're accepted. You're enough. I said you're accepted and you're enough. Religion will constantly place the position of what you would feel that, man, this is where I've got to get for God to love me, for God to bless me, for God to smile and do good towards me. But I just can't seem to, I just can't seem to reach it. But I'm here today to tell you, stop reaching, stop jumping, and just receive the fullness of what God has for you. It's yours. He chose you. He loved you. He pursued you. 
As we continue there in Exodus chapter 1, God told Moses to remove his shoes. He said, the ground where you are is holy. Why? Because God had come near and occupied it. But then God told Moses to remove his shoes. Why did God say, remove your shoes? Was God going to give Moses a pedicure right there on the spot? No, sir. (laughs) Because shoes, listen to this, shoes represent the means of intercourse with the world. It's the age through which the flesh does its will and moves about to accomplish its work. In standing upon holy ground, all of self must be put off. You and I become, as it says, let me, I want to read it. Uh, I'm doing this off the cuff here. Where, uh, I think it's First Peter, yes, First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, but you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained a mercy. We stand before God as barefooted priests that are tender, that are reverent, that are uh, uh, listening to the very voice and the very nature of God. Why? Because the ground that we stand on has been occupied by by the presence of God. And you're not going to take position in his presence in your self effort, but rather you're going to take the shoes off, the self effort off your feet. You become a barefooted priest, a holy nation that comes before God, not in yourself, but who Jesus Christ is in you. Ephesians chapter four in verse 22 says that you put off concerning your former conduct. The old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts and desires. Why does God encourage us to put off the former conduct, to put off the old man? Because everything about the old man suppresses the standard of what God has called you to. It wars against the will of God for your life. But he continues in Ephesians chapter 4 and 24, and it says, and that you what? You put on the new man, which was created, listen to this, which was created according to God. How? In true righteousness and holiness. I put off the old man. Why? Because it wars against the nature and the quality of life that Jesus purchased for you 2,000 years ago. You put it off and you put on the new man that was made in right standing with God in true righteousness and holiness. I stand before God. See, religion hates this. But I stand before God as a righteous man. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. How? 
new creature made in righteousness and holiness. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. If there's one thing that's happening in the world today, it's an identity crisis. People having a hard time realizing who they are. And this is why the body of Christ has to rise up. We have to wake up. We have to come to our senses of what God has done for us because the quality of what he's done inside of you is greater than the opposition that is in this world. Greater is he that is in you. Greater is the new man that God has created in righteousness and holiness. I'm not trying to achieve it. I just simply receive it. And because I am as he says that I am. First John says, as he is. So am I in this world. I'm not trying to become like him. I've been made like him. And therefore, there's a confidence and a boldness that comes on me that when I walk into the office, that when I walk into the room, that when I walk into the situation, it's not Dustin in and of himself, but is a new man created in the likeness and the image of God where it causes the atmosphere of the room to change because wherever the presence of God comes near and occupies, there is a change. There is a there is a. Uh, 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 a, a reinforcement of the power of God. See, you, we, we have to have mind renewal because we allow the enemy to downplay who we really are. Well, I mean, that's for pastor and that special speaker and that guy and the guy on TV, but man, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to make it. There is an area of influence that I'll never ever have the, the opportunity to experience that God's called you to. You're the only Jesus that some people will ever see. And if you're downplaying the reality of who you are, you come across as that Christianity is this weak sauce religion that's just kind of like, well, you know, I got some kind of a hope that maybe when I die, I get to go to heaven. <laughs> but right now in the nasty here and now, we're just holding on for dear life. The Bible tells us in John chapter 16, in this world, buckle up, you're going to have some pressure. It's coming. But then Jesus says, don't meditate on that. Yeah, it's coming. So we prepare by faith. But guess what? I've already deprived the world of the ability to harm you. So when the world shows up and tries to force the agenda, tries to bring the mandate of whatever it is that brings oppression, sickness, disease, poverty, lack, there ought to be a righteous, holy indignation on the inside of you that says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You may be coming to bring some havoc in this place, but because I'm here, things are going to change. Because the Spirit of God lives in me, rests on me. Devil, you better back up because I came to win. You're not going to have your way in this family. You're not going to have your way in this church. You're not going to have your way in my business. Everything I set my hand to prospers and succeeds. I don't care if nobody else gets accounts. I get accounts. I make the deals. I sell. I get it done. Why? Because of me? No. But there's a presence of God that opens doors that no man can open. 
See, it begins to revolutionize the way you think, the way you see things. You're not, you're not prideful. You're not boastful in yourself. There is a complete dependency that God is working in the background for your life. Because I show up, God's there. Because I'm a carrier of the presence of God. Holiness, listen to this, holiness is not merely our actions. As religion would teach, although when realized, it will produce actions. Holiness is what we absorb. Listen to this. Holiness is what we absorb and manifest as we live our lives in and from God's presence. See, when, when, when these scriptures, the reason when Paul was so revolutionized, I, I mean, his revelation of what God gave him, you got you to gotta think of this because the Old Testament, the presence of God was in a place called the Holy of Holies. And commoners like you and I did not go into the Holy of Holies. What we did is we brought an animal in the Old Covenant the priest would sacrifice it and take that blood and give it to the high priest. How many of y'all know Jesus is our high priest? And he would take that blood and he would go after he made a sacrifice for his own sins and he would go into the holy of holies where the presence of God rested on the Ark of the Covenant between the cherubims on the mercy seat. I'm throwing a little extra in here on you, but I think it's necessary. I want you to see this. And they tied a rope to his ankle. Why? So that if he just wasn't quite good enough, he didn't get all of his sins atoned for or forgiven, and he went skipping on in into the Holy of Holies, the presence of God would smite him and they would stop hearing the bells that were on his garment jingle and they were like, Whoa, whoops, Fred's dead. Pull him on out. Jimmy, get ready. You're going in next. Oh, get eight bulls. Get, I mean, get whatever you need. Sacrifice it, buddy, because I'm about to go into the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest went in once a year for the nation. And then you're going to have this moment when Jesus died on the cross. The Bible says the veil that separated the holy of holies from the outer court. The Bible says it was four to six inches thick. That's a thick garment. And it was ripped. It was rended from top to bottom where God was saying, you're no longer going to hold me in this place. I'm coming out and I'm no longer sitting in this place, but now I'm going to live in and on you. You have to imagine and see this people that for years, centuries, had only known the presence of God behind the veil. And now a minister has the audacity to stand up and say, that presence is living in and on you. Instantly, there was the mind frame of, I'm disqualified. I don't, I can't. How could this be? It'll consume me. Say it, don't spray it. Come on, somebody. It'll consume me. I can't, I can't get too close to the presence of God. 
And this is the message that Paul brought to us in the epistles where he began to preach the gospel that said, listen to me, because of Jesus Christ, you now become a carrier of this divine presence of God. It is a mockery to make conduct and moral actions the focus of holiness. Conduct is the fruit of holiness, not the source. When you get a revelation of who you are in Christ and you meditate upon that, it produces a desire of action. It produces a taste and a desire for the things of God. And the things of the world become, they fade and, and, and become dim in the background. Why don't you go out and do what you used to do? I don't know. I, I don't want to. Heard a preacher say one time, I'm drinking and smoking all I want to drink and smoke. <laughs> I don't want any of it. Come on, somebody. Why? Because I am completely satisfied with who he is. And because of that, it produces action of righteousness and holiness in my life. Conduct is the fruit of holiness and not the source. Holiness cannot be achieved. It must be received. Write that down. It'll help you later. Every time the devil comes, says you're not good enough, you didn't qualify, you messed up, you made a bad decision, what's he trying to get you to do? He's trying to get you to achieve something that God freely gave you. Quit trying to earn God's gifts. You can't earn them. They're simply received. Just like Moses, God will always call you unto himself before he sends you out. God will always call you into a place of intimacy with him before he sends you out. And that's why every day you begin your day with sanctification. You begin your day with a revelation of who your God is. You read his word, you pray, you get and invite, you acknowledge him into your day. Why? Because as you do that, then God sends you out to bring deliverance to the people. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 17 says, Therefore, come out from among them and be separate. If you're not careful, religion will begin to try to formulate this thing of there is an us and a them. We are the church. They are the world. And there's a line. Don't come over. But here I want you to see this. We are not called to be insulated and isolated from the world. God's not called you to get saved so you can go hide in a cave somewhere. Too much has been invested in you. What I'm trying to awaken on the inside of you this morning is that there is a reservoir of a quality nature that has life in it, ability in it resurrection power in it. You're saying, you're you're talking about me? Yes. Every single person under the sound of my voice has a, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, has a reservoir of a quality spirit that has ability to bring change. That's why God says lay hands on the sick. Why? Because it is the conduit by which we release the life force of God into something where every cell, organ, tissue that is malfunctioning has to, re, has, to, has to be changed and brought in alignment with the will of God. 
That's why when you lay hands on people, you don't lay hands like this. Lord, do, do something for them, Lord. You, you, do you feel anything? No? Okay, hang tight. It's coming. There ought to be a boldness inside of you. I'm not looking or hoping to see something happen. The Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Why? Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Why? Because you're made righteous and holy. And when I lay hands on somebody, I expect change. You rise up and walk. You foul spirit of cancer. Come on, somebody. Are you, why are you talking like that? Because I'm, 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 I know whose I am and whom I believe. Whom I believe and whose I am. Let me wrap this up. We are not called to be insulated, isolated from the world, but rather to know God. In order to infiltrate the kingdom of darkness from a place of presence, power, and authority. True holiness is sourced by God in Christ Jesus. Cannot be, I love this, cannot be compromised or contaminated. I can go out into the world and not be contaminated or compromised. Like the burning bush, when God occupies... A believer, he does not consume, but rather purifies and restores. God said it to me this way, Dustin, my presence is no longer a luxury, it's a priority. Why? Because when you get into the presence of God, you become aware of his presence in your life, that he's there, he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. It purifies you and restores you daily to accomplish his will. Where every day you wake up, you wake up from a place of, of, of holiness and you say, today, God, I'm going out as your man, your woman of faith and power to be your voice, to be your person in this generation. Holiness is the common ground that we stand with God. I love that. Holiness is the common ground that we stand with God. When God calls you to be holy, it is God saying, I have nothing better to offer, so I offer you myself. To be holy is to be God-like. It's the holy life is the indwelling life. Some would say, Dustin, I think the world's falling apart right before our very eyes. And I would say, do you know the world is falling into position? It's doing exactly what has been foretold to us in the scriptures. We're living in the last of the last days. Increase of disease backed by pharmaceutical companies. The LGBTQ plus with a focus to attack our children. The Middle East nations aligning as foretold in Ezekiel 38. The central bank of digital currency and other systems to create a one world economy and one world government. The restrict act to control all circulating data so that it can be controlled to move the narrative. Population control, these are no longer conspiracy theories uh, and prophecies of old, but fulfilled scripture. You and I are living in a time where things that were once 
speculation, things that were once kind of like spooky to talk about. Y'all remember if you weren't in the church in the 80s, we would talk about, man, the mark of the beast. Everybody's like, whoa, dude, that would be far out, man. The mark of the beast, whoa, in your hand for it, whoa. And now you got people online like, I went and I got a chip in my hand and I can pay for my groceries. It's so convenient. They know my blood type and all my medical history. Life's awesome. It's happening. And some of it is kind of innocent, but it's all of the platform to move us into the end times. I'm wrapping this up, but this is... 2020 was a threshold of demonic campaign against mankind to usher us in the full antichrist takeover. The devil is in a full stride to accomplish his will. The Bible calls this campaign darkness. Isaiah chapter 61 and 2 says this in the message Bible. Get out of bed. Jerusalem, I put in parentheses, church, wake up. Put your face in the sunlight. God's bright glory has risen for you. I love that. God's glory has risen for you. The whole earth is wrapped in darkness. All people sunk in deep darkness. But God has risen on you. Church, hear me. But God's presence has risen upon you for this time and this season that we're living in. And the reason that it can is because he's created you righteous and holy. Why do I say these things? Because God is calling his church, his body, to assemble and to get into position. We are the pushback, the restraining force that resists steadfast in the faith against all darkness. We are the people uh, to take the posture and the position of those that do not draw back, but through intimacy with God, his word and by his spirit are able to walk and live in God's standard of holiness. God's calling us up higher. As a father, when I look at my kids, there are certain things that I, I ask them to do that I expect of them. Why? Because I know the potential is there. Come on, parents. You know what I'm talking about. They may not want to do it. They may get frustrated, but you can see the talent, the ability in them. So what do you do? You, you, you encourage that. You give opportunity to that. Why? Because it is in that moment that they begin to walk in the fullness of what is in them. My job as a parent is to call my kids up higher. Come on, man. You're not going to be a deadbeat. You're actually going to add something to society. There's potential in you. And what God is calling to his church is he said, church, I've placed potential in you through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I've made you righteous. I've called you to be holy. I've placed my presence in you. Now come up, become who I've made you to be and quit resisting or allowing the enemy to overtake you and rather become who I've called you to be. Isaiah chapter 6, he talks about that. I just read it. He says, arise, New King James, arise and shine. Church, that's us. We're called to arise and shine, to push back the darkness, 
The things you see on the news, the things you see going on in our world right now, it ought to, it ought to righteously make you angry because of what's on the inside of you, which causes you to say, as long as I'm on this planet, there will be a resistance to the forces of darkness. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, we thank you for your word today. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this church. I thank you for the hunger and the thirst for your, the things of God. God, I thank you that you're helping us to see the mandate that is upon us, that we don't downplay, we're not procrastinators, but rather, God, we're diligent to the voice of God. We're diligent to the things of God. Father, I speak a blessing upon everybody in this place today. I know, Father, that we all have things going on in our lives, some that, know, that people know about, some things that people don't know about. But I thank you right now that your grace is sufficient, that your grace, your empowerment is sufficient for every single person here today. I thank you, God, that you're the healer of the brokenhearted. I thank you that anxiety and depression are a thing of the past. The thing that would try to hold you captive, to keep you living in a state of oppression. God, I thank you by your presence this morning that each individual would leave here liberated by your presence. No longer held captive, no longer held back by the enemy, but rather become a force to be reckoned with. I thank you that your word says that, Father God, together corporately, that we have the mind of Christ. The ability of God is formed inside of us. I thank you, Jesus, that no weapon, no weapon formed against us can prosper. Church, hear me. No weapon. I'm saying this by the Spirit of God. I don't know what the devil may be trying to do, what he's brought against you, but no weapon shall succeed. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 59, I believe it's verse 19, the latter part of the verse, that when the devil comes in like a flood, some of you could say, yep, right here. <laughs> I feel like I'm in a flood. The devil's just tried to bring all kinds of crazy into my life. When the devil tries to come in like a flood, the Bible says that God lifts and raises up a standard against him. I want to encourage you today, church, you are that standard. You are that standard that God raises up to be the, the, the wall, the, the resistance to the darkness and the lies of this world. Everything the devil's trying to tell you mentally, everything that he's trying to get you to believe is nothing more to get you to get to a place where you feel inadequate, not enough, that it brings you to a place where you're just almost like, God, I just, if there's any way, you just, you become uh, incapacitated. And I'm here today to say that God's, God's doing the work on the inside of you. I, you may not know the answer. You may not know the way. You may not see how it's possible. But I'm here today that God is in the background working, moving on your behalf. He's opening doors. He's getting you ready. And that thing that has tried to stop you, where there's great darkness, 
it's because there's a great need and a value for light. And the devil is, the devil is, he's scared. He's intimidated by the, the capacity and the ability that you have. And he's trying to get you just to sit down and to be quiet. And I'm here today to tell you, listen to me, church, because I've, I've had to do this myself. When you find yourself in that place, you have to take yourself and you have to make yourself begin to declare the goodness of God in your life. God said it to me this way, when life goes down, hands go up. You begin to pray, you begin to praise, and you begin to proclaim the goodness of God. You won't feel like it. It will war against every fiber of your natural flesh, but you're going to have to make a decision. I'm not going to stay here. I'm not going to allow the devil to defeat me. I'm getting up. I may not have the answer yet, but I thank you, God, that I'm magnifying you. I worship you. You begin to pray and declare the word of God over your life, and I'm here today to tell you that God said, that if uh, he in Jeremiah 1:12, he watches over his word to perform it in your life. God's waiting for you to declare something so that the Spirit of God, just like in Genesis, can begin to brood over the situation and bring change. God's moving in your, on your behalf right now. Don't let the devil lie to you. It's not a dead end. I'm saying this by the Spirit for somebody. It's not a dead end. It's not over. God's a way maker. Come on, if I could sing, I'd do it right now. He's a way maker. We need you. And I'm telling you by the Spirit of God, do not give up. I said, do not give up. Don't call it quits. Don't let the devil tell you living for God has no value. Going to church has no I've tried it, man. I'm done with all this. I thought it would have all of that. That's just nothing but you kind of throwing a tantrum. I'm here today to tell you we need you. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't throw in the towel. Make a decision. God, having done all to stand, I'm going to stand. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to keep my eyes on you. And I'm going to watch you do the miraculous in my life. Two things I got in prayer this morning. Number one, I think it's called tinnitus. I was, I was just praying. And it was like ringing, humming in the ear. They don't know why it happened. There are all these weird things. I, I felt like God said, I'm healing that this morning. The humming, the ringing, the, the, the whatever, all that. Tinnitus, I think is what they call it. You're healed this morning. God wouldn't tell me to call that out just so that I could act spiritual. God's moving. God's doing things. Number two, the last thing that he gave me was this trauma. You've been through something, and that I know covers a massive scope of things. But just simply in my heart, I heard that trauma. Something has happened that has brought trauma in your life. And God's delivering you, healing you, restoring you right now. It will have a lasting effect on you. You'll not be identified by it. It's not going to live with you for the rest of your life. You are delivered and set free. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how Jesus, anointed by God with the Holy Spirit, went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. 
Can I just say this to you? God's with you. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to join us next week for another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yarbrough and One Community Church of El Dorado.